on repeat. There isn't a way to make truth go away because Jesus himself, the life truth and the way, and someday we'll meet him. The truth, face to face. But we've got work to do till we're in his embrace. And we walk on the streets and the roads paved with gold. What's the plan until then? Here we go. Truth be told. Hello. Did you have a good week? Yeah. I, uh, I wanted to say thank you. This has been such a special time to get to see you guys really engage in chapel, to have a lot of fun at rec and doing all the camp things. So from the bottom of my heart, I want to say thanks for an awesome week. I, uh, I will remember this. I really will. This has been incredible. Huge shout out to Hume for an awesome week. If you had a good time this week, say thank you, yeah? Okay. First night, we looked at the fact that we can know with absolute certainty that there's a God. And that truth is not something that is subjective. Experiences, right? Like there may be, there may be people who really like you and there may be people who think you're kind of okay. But that doesn't change who you are. That's their experience with you. And so as we've unpacked this concept of truth this week... I hope that in your mind and in your heart, you've been able to see where the boundary line is between what is true, what is the truth about God that I can put my faith in, and Lord willing, my life will begin to reflect that belief, and what is my experience? What is, what is me maybe having a hard time as a kid? What is me maybe not having as many friends in my youth group as I'd like? Maybe you've been hurt by someone in church. We live in an era where deconstruction is a term that people use all the time. And I think it's important for you as a student to be equipped with knowledge and understanding that if someone hurts you, that doesn't change the truth about who God is. That, that if you have a hard experience at church or camp or whatever, fill in the blank at school on a sports team, like that's just an experience. It doesn't change the truth about who God is, the fact that he's made you, that he loves you. And like we talked about last night, that he died for you, securing for you an eternal relationship with him. He has gone to prepare a place for you. Think about what God did in six days, creating the heavens and the earth. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. How incredible will that be? And that word preparing is an ongoing, continual work where one day when our heart stops beating, and we pass on into that realm of heaven for the rest of time. We get to experience life the way that it was meant to be lived because we have the sacrifice of Jesus that has atoned for our sins. I think it's an important truth for us to know. We looked at the truth of, of the Bible that scripture is this ancient library of books telling us all one consistent story about Jesus. And then we looked at the truth of Jesus' life and Jesus' ministry. And we saw that 2,000 years ago, there was a man named Jesus who walked the earth. Even secular, non-religious historians admit the fact that there was a Jesus. I'm so glad we have the rest of that story. 
And then we talked about the truth of sin. And the way we looked at sin was not like I mess up sometimes, not like I have bad in my life, but the good outweighs it. But that sin is death. That sin has separated us from God. And then last night we had just an incredible miracle happen before our eyes where some of you stood and received Jesus for the first time, giving your life to him, choosing to be a follower, a disciple of his for the rest of your days. We looked at a lot of truth this week. But I want to share one last truth before you head home. I want to look at the truth of your life as a believer. Because where we leave off in the book of John, where Jesus' disciples are kind of parting ways with Jesus before he ascends into heaven, there's a lot of parallels between what's happening there and where we end our time at camp together. Sound good? So turn to John 20, and then we're going to pray. Turn to John 20, we're going to pray. John 20, starting at verse 19. I'm going to read this and I'll pray and we'll kick the evening off. John 20, verse 19 says, that on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear that the Jewish leaders, for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, He showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for the incredible work that only you have the power to do. We have to see that power on display this week, that resurrection power, taking people in this very room, friends, family, students, from death to life right before our very eyes. Thank you for the truth of the gospel. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for even the hard truth, like truths of sin. God, we thank you for revealing yourself to us this week. I pray with all my heart that that work wouldn't stop because camp is ending, but rather that that work would continue. We love you so much. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I don't know what you guys like to watch on TV, but for me, there's one specific genre that always will cause me to stop turning the channel, which I realize is kind of an ancient phrase because we don't really stop turning the channel now. Now what we do is we like pick what we want to watch. So like there's a genre that I will pick over every other genre. Would you like to try and guess what it is? Wrong, wrong. Here's what it is. Okay, now you're, hey, stop yelling at me. Here's the, I'll tell you what it is. I'll just tell you what it is. Ready? Here's what it is. Animal documentaries. Oh my goodness. I can't get enough of animal documentaries. You guys ever seen Planet Earth? Yeah? Or like Planet Earth 2? Yeah? I like the planet Earth where, like, Snoop Dogg is narrating it. It's just exciting. I love that. It's just very good. I realize also I'm not endorsing that. So if I offended you, I take it back. But I've watched it, okay, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I was watching this nature documentary, and they were focusing on uh, what might be the world's greatest raptor. 
Because it stands for freedom. It stands for America. It stands for the red, white, and blue. This documentary was all about the bald eagle. It was so awesome. And they were talking about, yeah, let's give it up for America, huh? Okay, so. Okay, all right, okay. Okay, ready? So I'm watching this nature documentary about bald eagles, and they're like showing them hunting and like grabbing fish with their extra long toenails and like all the cool things, okay? That's what those are. A town is just a toenail. And they were talking about how when a mom bald eagle lays eggs, the dad bald eagle builds a nest. And how does this dad bald eagle build a nest? No. I was going to, it was, I was going to tell, you didn't have to answer. I'm just going to tell you. From here on, I'll just tell you, okay? Because I don't like getting yelled at. So, so here's how a bald eagle builds a nest. And I promise it fits, okay? Bald eagles build a nest. First, they take sticks. We know this. We've all seen a bird's nest. They take sticks on a high, high tree or telephone pole. And they take these sticks and they craft a bull-shaped deal. It's like three feet wide. Huge nest. Mansion nest. Okay? Why? Because this is America's bird. Like, we're going to go large and in charge with this thing. Modest, small nest? No. We're going to go probably bigger than we need, and we're going to go broke building it, like kind of bald eagle philosophy, okay? All right. So then, then, to make the nest comfy, this is the most American bird, guys. To make the nest comfy, dad bird, daddy bird, he goes and kills small furry creatures. Not to eat them, not to eat them, but to line the nest with its fur so it can be comfy for his babies, okay? Yeah. Again, again, stealing natural resources from other, other places, the most American thing ever, right? Like, this is like the most American bird, okay? So, so, okay. Your clapping is giving me some really weird vibes right now. <laughs> like, uh, okay. Hold on. I swear if there's an insurrection tonight, I will be so mad at you guys, okay? Here's, here's what happens. Nope, nope, nope. So they've got the nest. Let me reel it in a little. They've got the nest, okay? The birds hatch. Baby birds aren't very cute or lovable. So as they grow, the parents are faithful to feed them. And as these birds get older, there comes a day where it's time for them to leave the nest. This is where that term comes from. To leave the nest and go figure out life on their own, removed from the comfort of what mom and dad bird have provided. Now, here's the illustration that has taken me forever to get here because you keep clapping, okay? Here's the illustration. Okay, all right. The illustration is this. We're going to do that tonight. Like, I'm going to make this week where every meal has been a buffet, where you've hung out with your friends the whole time, where it's painfully obvious to any adult in the room that all of you have not showered, okay? And we're going to take all of that. We're going to take all of that and we're going to do what the bald eagle does, and we're going to strip that away so that you can be prepared for what life post-camp looks like. Because, no more clapping, now it's a distraction, okay? Because what life post-camp looks like for you 
is real. Like, your faith in this little incubator called camp has been kind of comfy, a lot of room to think, a lot of room to process. But as you head home, there's a promise from Jesus himself that does not get talked about enough in church. And the promise of God, as much as the promise of eternal security and salvation is true, as much as God promises to always be with us and to be faithful to never leave us, Jesus also promises that in this life, you will have trouble. In this life, you will have a hard time. The moments where your faith has to be what leads situationally means that you're going to be faced with circumstances that aren't always going to be met with resounding applause when you tell people how you feel and what you believe. In this world, you're going to face trouble. And then Jesus finishes out that promise by saying, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And so the promise of God is that you are going to face hard things, but he's going to be with you through it all. In John 20, we see a situation not unlike what we're dealing with here at camp. Because at this point, the disciples have now seen God at work for two and a half, some, some would say three full years at this moment in time. They've seen Jesus do miracles. They've seen him raise the dead. They've seen him heal. They've seen him forgive. They've heard him proclaim boldly with his own lips that he is the promised Messiah that was to come. And then they had to watch as their friend and their rabbi was crucified, was tortured. They had to observe him cry out in agony, And like John 19 says, when the moment was was right, he offers up his soul to be the sacrifice that you and I desperately needed to be made right with God. But then also, this same group of people got to meet the resurrected Jesus. Like this conversation that happens in John 20 happens post resurrection. They have experienced the resurrection power. They have seen the resurrected Jesus. They are beginning to now comprehend what life looks like on the backside of Jesus conquering death. That is very similar to where we sit in regards to this theme this week. So what I want to tell you now, what we're going to talk about tonight, is is the truth of the life of a believer because Jesus gives us two things as a result of him proving that he is God, proving that he can conquer sin and shame and death through rising from the dead, he gives his disciples two things here in this passage. Look back at it. He shows up in verse 19. The disciples are hanging out, and they're a little shocked. They're actually worried that that the Jewish leaders, as a result of Jesus' resurrection, are going to come, and they're going to punish or harass them. And so there's a knock on the door, and they're kind of scared. Jesus goes, hey, trick or treat, surprise, peace be with you, it's me, it's all good, calm down, we're going to be okay. And then he says this, he says, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. The first thing we're going to talk about tonight is what it means to live life as someone who has been sent by God into the world. And then he goes on to say, receive the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, the Spirit fills these disciples. The second thing we're going to hit on is what it means to be filled. 
What does it mean for us to be filled with the Spirit of God and sent on a mission to live for Jesus? Okay? So the first thing Jesus says, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Jesus says, as a result of the work that you have now experienced on my behalf, as a result of the ministry, the miracles, as a result of the salvation and the resurrection, the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies, I am now sending you into the world. Well, Jesus, sending us into the world to do what? Sending you into the world to be ambassadors of hope and light and love in a world that seems ever increasingly dark. Jesus is sending you. Tomorrow, you're going to get on a bus or into a van or a vehicle, and you're going to go home. And my hope and prayer is that you would go home with the mindset of someone who has been sent by God from a very comfortable nest that you got to hang out with for a week, interacting with each other. I'm always puzzled by why whenever I spend time at camp, I feel closer to God. And if you put a little thought into it, it makes perfect sense. The reason that this week, a lot of us here in this room feel as though we've grown closer to God is actually quite simple. You have put yourself into a position for the Spirit of God to be forming and molding and shaping and making you more like Jesus. How? Well, think about what you've done. This week, you've been challenged and encouraged to memorize Bible verses, to do devotionals. You've got seminars on how to pray, on how to study the Bible, on how to share your faith. We've gotten to every single evening this week, open up God's word and see what God wants to say to us in light of this topic of truth. You've had a chance to sing songs to God, which the Psalms tell us God is greatly pleased by. Like I oftentimes think with my friends, like this is kind of where the idea of like love languages come from, if you're familiar with that. Like there's ways that we as humans are hardwired to receive love. God says, hey, one of my love languages is when you sing to me, I receive it as if it was a pleasing aroma. What's well, no wonder camp's awesome and you feel close to God. You've been spending time with him. You've been learning about him. You've been singing songs to him. And you've been doing all of this alongside of other brothers and sisters in the faith. That doesn't have to change when you go home. In fact, in order for us to go home and live a life that has been sent by God, commissioned by God, all that that takes is you continuing to do at home what you've learned to do here at camp. Like there's nothing stopping you from going home and reading your Bible. There's nothing stopping you from going home and hanging out with other Christians, hanging out with other people who have faith in God, hanging out with other people who are going to challenge and encourage you to grow. Spending time under the spiritual guidance of your counselors and youth pastors who at the end of the day desperately want to show you what it means to be one of Jesus' disciples. Man, it would be such a shame if that ended this week. You have been sent by God to go and live life with him. This concept comes straight out of the end of another, uh, another gospel, Matthew 28. A very popular passage. In Matthew 28, verse 16, it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always.
always, to the very end of the age. Jesus, at the end of his earthly ministry, addresses his disciples one last time. And he says, hey, as a result of all of this, go invite other people into it. He even tells us how, doesn't he? He says to make disciples. That would mean that we invite other people into a life of following Jesus. How do we do that? Through seeing people be baptized. In fact, if you're someone who gave your life to Jesus this week, or if you ever have and you haven't been baptized, it's a wonderful thing to do. It's an incredible sacrament that God's word has given us to publicly declare our faith. The Christian faith is very much a public faith. As much as it's personal and intimate with God, we have to rely upon each other. So Jesus has baptized people. And then he says, teach them to obey everything I've taught you. Question, have you learned something about God this week? Raise a hand if you've learned something about God this week. Awesome. Okay? For those of you with a hand raised, to put this into application as you go home would look like this. You get home, you get off the bus, you're tired, but you're kind of pumped because you stopped and had in and out on the way home, and your mommy or dad meet you at the, at the bus stop at the church. How was camp? Living a life that is sent would look like this. Camp was incredible. I grew so close to God this week, opening his word, learning about his character, hanging out with other Christians. Or we can take the passive route and go, camp was good, I'm ready for a nap. Like next week when you're hanging out with your friends who didn't come to camp and they say, you went to camp, how was it? Option A would be, oh, it was fun. There was a blob and, and there was like, it was really cool. And there was like, a, like an alligator pajama guy on stage on the last day. It was really, it was, truly, it was an incredible week. You know, and they're like, okay, Christians are weird. Sounds good. Definitely don't go to camp next year. You know, they like take a note. That's one way. Or how about this other way? It was awesome. We had so much fun. There was a guy in alligator pajamas that were kind of too small. It was incredible. But can I just tell you, can I tell you that I grew closer to Jesus? And here's how. I was reminded that I'm sinful. And it's only because of his sacrifice that I'm able to have eternal life. Like that's what it means to live a life that is sent. And I realize that that may sound intimidating or scary. But remember, God chose you to be the bearer of good news in this world. God chose us as humans, sinful, flawed, broken, messed up people to be bearers of his light and his love in a world that is dying and dark. He chose you. And then he promises to be with you as you go and live a life that is marked by being sent by Jesus. Hear this. When you live life in relationship with God, you're never alone. The last three years have shown us that isolation has damning effects on humans. Anxiety rates through the roof. Depression rates through the roof. The number of people, even in my own circle, who have taken their life higher than it was before the pandemic. Why? Because loneliness has a terrible effect on the human psyche. Loneliness is also something that is very much a human emotion and a human thing for us to experience. That's why the promise of God that he's always with you and that you're never alone when you're in a relationship with Jesus is incredible news. You 
for those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, you are never alone. So go home and live a sent life. Then he promises, later in John 20, if you remember, he promises right after that to give us the Holy Spirit. He says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This moment is going to play out again in Acts chapter 2, at a moment called Pentecost, where the Spirit of God rains down on the believer. In fact, something miraculous happened last night in a lot of our lives who, who put our faith in Jesus for the first time that you may or may not have even been aware that it happened. When we exchange our sin for the love of Christ, the presence of God fills us. This God who exists in a triune nature, Father, Son, and Spirit, has now indwelt your life, giving you the ability to live a life that is marked by the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Think about that for a second. You've been filled with the presence of God. Where you go, he goes. When you choose to live a life that is sent, you have the ability to usher in the presence of God through the sharing of your faith, through the serving of people, and through the loving of others. Live a life that is not just sent, but a life that is filled. And there's ways that we can cultivate this life alongside of the Spirit. We can cultivate this life by living in such a way that draws us closer into relational unity with God. Things like praying. Things like having moments of silence and solitude. Things like sharing your faith. Things like serving others. Things like celebrating when you see God is on the move. Things like journaling out your day and asking yourself hard questions. Am I more like Jesus now as a result of going to camp? Am I more like Jesus now one month removed from camp, six months removed from camp? This idea of examining ourselves and tracking our progress as we grow to be more and more like Jesus is something that we have all been invited into. Friend, the truth of the life of a believer is that you have been filled and sent to live a life not only with Jesus, but for Jesus. That means this, you now have purpose. There's a reason that you're here on earth. We read a big chunk out of the, the book of Ephesians chapter 2 this week. In fact, we didn't just read a big chunk, we read nine verses. It told us a lot. It told us that we were sinful, by, by nature children deserving of wrath, but God who is rich in mercy, right? Remember all of that? That passage ends in Ephesians 2.10 by telling us that you are God's workmanship, created for good works, which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in. That's what Ephesians 2.10 tells us. For you are his workmanship. The, the Greek word translated for workmanship is poema, which means masterpiece. In other words, as a result of God's redemptive work on your life, you are now a masterpiece who has been created to do good works, which God prepared long before you ever stepped into the family of God. He has moments and opportunities for you to see your Christ-like potential here on earth advancing the kingdom of God in your home, in your personal life, at your school, in your youth group. God wants to do something through you. 
and all that it takes, all that it requires of us to live this life is to live a life that is marked by being filled and sent into the world. You can cultivate that. If you have questions about that, or you want to get into some kind of group or program or have a book, or maybe you don't own a journal or a Bible, your youth pastor is the most incredible resource that you have. Gosh, we live in an era, and this may go over some of your, head, your heads if you're a student, but if you're a counselor or a youth pastor, you know, it is really hard being a leader today. It is really hard being in spiritual authority because there are people messing it up for us. And so the lack of trust for spiritual leadership seems to be at like an all-time high in my lifetime. But the men and women that are here pouring into you, trust them. Lean on them. Follow them. Listen to them. Allow them to have a spiritual influence in your life. Like Paul said, follow me as I follow Jesus. You follow the example set by your counselor and your youth pastor as they follow Jesus. That's how you get to grow and begin to become more like Jesus as you grow in knowledge and wisdom and understanding of who he is. Rabbit trail for a second. For the youth pastors in the room, what you do matters so much. Like truly, truly, each of you. I'm trying to find each of you in, this, in the room to look into your eyes and say thank you. Like for someone who now has junior hires, I have so much appreciation for what you guys do. Don't grow weary in doing good, God's word tells us. There's a book called Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership by Ruth Haley Barton. And in it, she says this quote. I'm going to read it verbatim. She says, truly, this is for the youth pastors, truly the best thing any of us have to bring to leadership is our own transforming selves. Don't try and be perfect. Just be who God made you to be. Set an example for these guys. Show them the way. And please don't grow weary in doing good. We need you. I'm so thankful for you. If you're thankful for a youth pastor, tell them right now, because this is an amazing group of men and women that are here. Okay. All right. Let's land the plane. So I started by telling you a silly story about bald eagles and how when it's time for a bald eagle to learn how to fly and hunt and live on their own, their parents strip away the comfort of the nest and literally kick them out. Tomorrow's going to feel like that. You're going to have to remember what it's like to do your chores. You're going to have to remember what it's like to listen to your parents. You're going to have to remember what it's like to not turn to your left or to your right and have your best friend there. Don't forget, I'm giving you nightmares. Don't forget that you have been filled with the Spirit of God and sent by Jesus. And for that reason, you have a purpose and you are never alone. This is the truth of a life of a believer. I can't wait to see you guys again. Truth be told, it's probably going to be in heaven. And we get to tell all kinds of stories about the life that we lived. But if by chance, I run into you in the in-between, please, please, please prioritize your faith above everything else. This world is in desperate need of the message and the hope and the transformation that those of you who have a relationship with Jesus have experienced. Go and live that out. Let's pray. 
Jesus, thank you for these students. Thank you for this camp. Thank you, God, for the opportunity that we had this week to learn and to know and to grow in who you are, to understand better who we are. Lord, I pray that the thing that goes home with all of us are these scriptures and passages and truths that we've learned about you. Would they transform and mark our lives? Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for the art of repentance. That, God, you always allow us to turn from our sin to come back to you. Thank you again for the men and women in this room who are faithfully serving these students. In an era where it's not cool and it's frowned upon and people are skeptical of it, would you continue to show the world your love through your body, your bride, the church, as a result of these counselors and youth pastors as they go home? Jesus, thank you for them. And thank you so much for Hume, a place that has not wavered in the mission for which you created it, to boldly be a place that shares the gospel. We love you. Thank you once again for this week. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys again. Almighty, all powerful, holy creator of heavens and earth cannot be.